0: This is a podcast from Minute Media.
1: Hello, everybody! Welcome to the inaugural episode of Pitch Perfect, one of the newest podcasts from the Half Street High Heat family. I'm one of your hosts, Amanda, and I'm joined by my fabulous co-host, Allison. Hi, Allison.
2: Hello! So excited to be starting this podcast. Yes. With you, Amanda
1: this show is going to be a little different than the main show um, in that we plan to kind of do more in-depth looks like the history and the minutiae and some things about the nationals that we might touch on in the main show but we're going to have a lot more time to to do an in-depth look here it's going to be a lot of fun um we're really excited to bring you guys this new content and we hope that you enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoy creating it so how are you doing
2: I'm doing great. I'm so happy that baseball is back. That has honestly brightened my week more than anything. Um, (laughs) I know
1: you've been to a bunch of the games. You're going again. (laughs) Well, it's today when we're recording, but it's tomorrow when you guys are listening. So
2: yes, yes. I'm going to today, Sunday's game. I was, I was at Friday's and Thursday's games. And to be honest, as difficult as it is, as it is to watch the on-field product at times, I'm just happy to be there. I'm just happy to be watching it again. It's such a, such a big signifier of spring and just Happiness! So excited, it's back.
1: Yeah, you and me both. I wish that the weather would decide it's spring. That would be nice. Yeah,
2: that would be awesome. (laughs) And we'll be
1: complaining about the heat in a few months and wishing for cool weather. So, yep, yep. (laughs) (laughs) So, before we dive in on the meat of this episode, we wanted to just take a few minutes and kind of share a little bit about ourselves and with all of you, so that you know who we are and you know where we're coming from as baseball fans. So, Allison, let's start with you. Can you give us kind of like a quick little bio to introduce yourself to the listeners?
2: Yeah, super quick. So my name is Allison. I um I have been with the Half Street High Heat team since uh, October of last year, um, and it's been wonderful. I predominantly write for the for the site uh, for the blog. Um, I've uh, appeared on one or two podcast episodes here and there, losing at trivia. Um, but it's been great. And it's <laughs> we wonderful. all lost at trivia. Don't feel bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's been wonderful. It's been such a great way to connect with other people and to um, you know continue. To to further my love for the Nets.
1: Fantastic. And um, I'm Amanda. If you guys listen to this show, you probably also listen to the main show. So you should know me a little bit anyway, but I'm one of the you know, original members of Half Street High Heat and one of the co-hosts of the main Half Street High Heat podcast, along with Nick and Ryan. And I'm really excited to be able to do this new show. It's going to be a little different and give us some, some time to expand on some really interesting topics for you guys. Okay, so without further ado, let's get into it. Since the show is called Pitch Perfect, we decided it would be perfect to do our first episode about pitching. So in honor of the, um, when you were listening to this, just concluded opening weekend, we're going to do a little retrospective for you guys of all the pitchers who have started opening day games for our nationals. There have been seven pitchers, and we're going to discuss them all a little bit, and then we're going to, at the end, after we go over them, we're going to do rankings, And um, I just spoke with Allison a little bit before we started recording and she kind of looked at them and she's going to rank them more by their performances on opening day, where I'm thinking of, of ranking them more as, you know, kind of how they performed for the Nats, generally speaking in their careers here. So it should be fun to see how that (laughs) ranking shakes out probably differently. So, uh, all right, Allison, are you ready? Yeah, ready to go. Okay. So, um there were seven as I mentioned, um just to give you guys listening a quick rundown. Uh Livian Hernandez, John Patterson, Odalis Perez, John Lennon, Stephen Strasburg, Max Scherzer, and Patrick Corbin most recently. That's our list. So, we're going to go chronologically here and start by talking about Livian Hernandez. Now, I know that this team's only been in D.C. since 2005, and for a lot of fans in this area, um, you know, baseball was absent from D.C. for a long time. I know a lot of people weren't really paying attention to baseball because there was no local team, and a lot of people were Orioles fans because that was really the only option in the area. So when the team came back in 2005, uh, moved here from Montreal, a lot of people weren't really paying attention, and you could hardly blame them because the team was God-awful for those first few years. But during those first few years, um, Livion Hernandez was with the team and he started actually opening day for the Expos in their final year in Montreal in 2004 and then started the first two years for the Nationals in 2005 and six, and then actually had a second stint with the Nats um, and started opening day for them again in 2011. So Livion Hernandez is a Cuban player. Um, he had an amazing career, 17 years, for nine different teams, two-time All-Star, and was the MVP of the 1997 World Series with the then Florida Marlins. Um, Also his half-brother, El Duque Hernandez. Um, I don't know, not everybody knows those two are related. Um, He actually defected to the United States in 1995 before starting his baseball career. So he was with the Nats twice, as I mentioned, um, from 2005 to 2006, and then from 2009 to 2011. Um, he was really a workhorse pitcher for his whole career. I mean, there was a stretch between 1998 and 2007 in which he never pitched fewer than 199 innings in any given season. Doesn't that seem insane now when you see how few innings <laughs> that a lot of starters go? I mean, you could take our starters this weekend who only went four. That's each. wild. I know. Isn't that a crazy stat? He once also <laughs> one of my favorite things when I was reading about him is that he once threw 150 pitches. In nine innings, jeez, I know. Can you imagine any any manager even letting (laughs) a pitcher go 150 pitches? They'd be fired for malpractice. I know. (laughs) So in 2004 and 2005, the second year of which he was here um, with the Nationals, he led the major leagues with um, 3,927 pitches thrown and 4,009 pitches thrown. So those are crazy numbers crazy numbers. So as I mentioned, I'm going to focus on his time with the nationals when evaluating him for this ranking. Um, he, again, as I said, led the leagues in innings pitched many seasons. Um, he started and got the win in the very first major league game in Washington since 1971 and defeated the diamondbacks in that game five to three. Um, and in 2005, that first year he was here, he led the national league in innings pitched and was an all-star Along with uh, Chad Cordero, for those of you who remember him. Um, In 2006, though, he had a surgery, he had injuries, and um, never really recovered here with the Nats and eventually left. He then played for the Diamondbacks, the Twins, the Rockies, the Mets (laughs) before making his way back to the Nationals. In 2009, he re signed with the Nationals and finished the season here. And then in 2010, he was also with the Nats at, before making their opening day start for his final opening day start here in Washington in 2011. So he really was, while he was with the Nats, I mean, he had some struggles in that 2006 year when they let him go. But um, in 2010, he had a 3.66 6 6 ERA, pitched pretty well for the Nats. And uh, he threw his 50,000th pitch of his MLB career here, which I thought was another really cool stat. Yeah, so, um, yeah, he definitely is, you know, a guy who it's funny, you know, there's DC, not just the nationals, but seems like all the DC teams have something of a reputation for having like crusty old veterans. <laughs> <laughs> and he certainly fits in that mold, um, without a doubt. And yeah,
2: I definitely am getting, uh, uh, some Annabelle Sanchez vibes from the, you know, I'm part of the team leaves for a little bit, comes back. <laughs> right.
1: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great comp. So anyway, he, um, he was a really, he was a really, he had a fantastic MLB career, um, twice with the Nats. So that's our first one. He started three of the 18 opening days for this team.
2: Yeah. and, and uh, our, John Patterson our, our, next. <laughs> yeah. Our next guy only made one start, uh, John Patterson, um, but, and actually had a very much shorter time with the Nats, but a very impactful time with the Nats. Um, Patterson was drafted by the Expos uh, in the first round, actually, in 1996, um, but eventually ended up signing with the Diamondbacks before getting traded uh, back to the Expos (laughs) later on. That's a funny Um, story about that. Yeah, it's uh, the. It was about the legal technicalities because they sent him the expo sent him a contract offer um, that wasn't printed on the official team letterhead, and so therefore it was uh, it was not legal. Therefore, it did not work. So the Diamondbacks went and uh, scooped him right up, <laughs> um, which is kind of hilarious. It um, is, and
1: they- I can't believe they let him come back after that. I'd have been
2: pissed. <laughs> Exactly. I was just going to say, it's like, it kind of works out very nicely that he he ended up back with the Expos because then that meant he ended up with the Nats later on. Um, but he like um, Hernandez actually did have another uh, kind of injury filled 2006. Um, he had a forearm injury and surgery in July, 2006, um, even, and then he was shut down for the rest of the season, which was a real shame because in 2005 he had had, you know, an absolute breakout year um, um, in 2005, that was when he um, had the, the career-best ERA of 3.13. Um, he had um, had almost 200 innings pitched. He had uh, that complete shutout in August 2005 against mm-hmm. the Dodgers, um, which was a wild moment. He only allowed four hits, walked zero people in that game, struck out 13 batters, which is just a crazy number. Um, Unless and- you're used to watching Max Scherzer, for all of you Max fans, that's <laughs> a high number. Yeah, exactly. Like
1: Max Scherzer has skewed our idea of what is a high strikeout game, but that is in fact a high strikeout game.
2: I mean, we're, we're, we're pretty spoiled now, um, which is, you know, it's going to be a fun, distant memory now, but particularly back then um, huge deal. Um, But in 2006, he was shut down in July um, and then eventually came out and started in 2007. Um, That was, it was not a, super great start. Unfortunately, um, it, we lost, um, two to nine. Um, we lost two to nine to, uh, the Marlins at RFK stadium. Um, and he Good pitched, RFK. Uh, yes, <laughs> back then, um, he pitched uh, a little over three innings, had seven hits, um, six runs, uh, all of which were earned, uh, three walks, two strikeouts, one home run, and his ERA at the end of the game ended up being uh 14.73. Um, so, and so great. That was, nope, nope, not great at all. And it's, and it's sad because then later on um, he had, a, for the rest of the year, he kind of had a, a difficult one. Um, in his next seven starts, he went one for five and ended up with an ERA of 7.57. Um, and it was all due to that injury. Uh, he went on the injured list in May, 2007. Didn't pitch again for the rest of the season. Had surgery in September two thousand seven, and then was ultimately released in March two thousand eight. Um, and so, even though he signed a minor league deal with the Rangers a little bit later, he was released by them in two thousand uh, in May of two thousand eight, um, and he announced his retirement in January two thousand
1: nine. Yeah, it is kind um, of a bummer of a story. He was he had such great potential, but the injuries just derailed his career.
2: Exactly. Though I, what I will say on a, on a positive note, he did actually release a book uh, semi-recently in, 2000, in 2020, actually. Um, and it was called Perspective Perception Perseverance, How to Understand and Navigate Life's Challenges. And it talked about his struggles with depression, anxiety, and addiction, and kind of how he refound himself after having to, to retire and give up his professional career so early.
1: Yeah, that sounds really interesting. I didn't realize he had written a book, and so that's great. Yeah. <laughs> all right so um he was the 2007 opening day starter so we've now gone through Hernandez and Patterson the next uh guy who also only made one opening day start for the Nats was Odalis Perez and um he was a Dominican uh baseball player played for the um uh, during the Braves originally and then he played for the Dodgers he was another guy who bounced around a lot um played for the Royals and then for the Nats um He signed a minor league contract with the Washington Nationals originally, and uh, he was he was an interesting guy. He had a lot of kind of character issues, I think, that um, played a big part in his career not going as well as it could have. Um, The Kansas City Royals basically just like ate his contract to get him out of their clubhouse. So that wasn't um, that that's pretty red flaggy, I would say. But uh, the Nationals took him anyway. Um, He went um, the Royals took him and they traded him and then they bought him out. And so he ended up basically um, kind of a pariah in Kansas City. So when the Nats picked him up, he did get the opening day start for them. Um, He joined with them in February of 2008 and then started for them on opening day that year. Um, And it was um, the year that Nats Park opened. So he had the distinction of giving up the very first ever home run at Nats Park to Chipper Jones.
2: I was about to cheer. And then you said that he gave up a home run. So he (laughs) he had the honor of
1: opening Nats Park. Um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the most, uh, um, auspicious opening, but still, um, he struck out the first batter delivered the first pitch. He has all of these things that like, if you look at the Nats stats, I was looking up like stats for the first things that ever happened at Nats Park and his name's all over them. So even though he was kind of a bit player in the history of the team, he's got his name all over everything, which is pretty fun. Um, anyway, so he, like I said, was not a guy who, I mean, he had a great amount of talent, but he was not a guy who, um, was a good fit. It doesn't sound like he was a great teammate and, uh, doesn't sound like he was a guy who really, he didn't really stick anywhere, I guess is what I'm trying to say in a nice way, (laughs) because there actually is a sad ending to this story. He actually, some of you may have even seen this. This just happened last month. Um, he died after falling off a ladder at his home in the Dominican Republic. So, um, an ignominious end
2: um, for what yeah. it's worth, his, his opening day, uh, slash line and, or his opening day line, excuse me, um, uh, was, was pretty good. He did get the win in his opening day. That's uh, true. Start. I
1: mean, that actual, that start itself actually wasn't that bad. And if you're ranking as you are based on, um, <laughs> opening day, you know, opening day stat lines, then he might be higher on your list than he is on mine. I um, assume. So. <laughs> yeah. He only gave up one run and, uh, four hits over five innings. So he did get. Did he get the win or a no decision?
2: I think it, actually, now that I'm, now that I'm, I think about, it was I, a no decision. A
1: decision.
2: Yeah. And but of course, what
1: everybody won. remembers about that game is Zim's walk off homer. Nobody remembers of Alice from that game. Nope. Though, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, he's all over when you look. If you go and you Google, you know, all of the stats about the opening day at Nats Park, you see his name everywhere. But the one everybody cares about was Zim's walk off. So, yeah, right. very sad that he, uh, that he passed away last month. Um, so that's the, another one who a lot of people may not even really remember if you weren't paying attention to the team. A lot of fans came on board kind of around that 2012 timeframe when um, the team started to, to play well and was more established here in town. Right, so. right.
2: Well, that brings us to uh, our next uh, opening day starter so John Lennon who uh, made two opening day starts for the Nats in 2009 and 2010 Um, he actually was uh, a homegrown kind of player he was selected by the Nats uh, in the 2005 draft in the 11th round um, and actually got called up mostly due to injury Um, there were so many injuries that the Nats have been plagued by injuries for uh, their entire existence uh, in DC and uh, because of the injuries that were on the that uh, were happening at that time. uh, He got called up in 2007 for a start against the Phillies. And his start was definitely very memorable. I Um, love this story. (laughs) Yeah. He hit uh, Chase Utley with a fastball uh, in his debut, broke his hand, Um, and then on the literal next pitch, uh, hit Ryan Howard and was immediately ejected, uh, becoming, I believe the, the first player in like at least a decade to be ejected from his debut, uh, which is, uh, definitely a category of, uh, (laughs) that's a cool
1: story to be able to tell your grandkids though. That's a good one. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, that's, it's definitely a story. (laughs) Um, but he, so that was in 2007. Um, he also in 2007, uh, was would have, could have been, um, the pitcher upon whom Barry Bonds, uh, surpassed Hank Aaron's home run record. Um, he faced Barry Bonds, uh, in August of 2007. It was only his third start. Um, and he, uh, Barry Bonds was trying to get the uh, to get the edge over Hank Aaron. He had just tied his record uh, previously, um, but Lennon actually held firm, um, held him to no hits. There were four played appearances. Um, and then uh, Barry Bonds had to wait a little bit longer to, to beat that record, which That's is another wild. he's
1: got a lot of he may not have been like a Hall of Famer, but he's got a lot <laughs> of cool stories to tell.
2: Yeah, that is, that is definitely a story. Yeah. I, you know, I held Barry Bonds to, to, I made sure he didn't beat the record just yeah, yet. I'm not the one he hit the, the, <laughs> the new record home runoff of. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but then in uh, 2009, he started, uh, which was, which was good. Um, unfortunately though, he lost, um, we lost 6-12 to the Marlins uh, on that opening day, April 6th at Dolphin stadium and, um, he his line there he pitched only in 3 innings uh had 6 hits 6 runs zero walks one strikeout, two home runs and his uh era was 18 so it was yeah i think
1: based on our great. ranking systems he's going to be lower than on your list than on mine i think
2: <laughs> oh yes he 120 percent is um <laughs> um but then and then uh in 2010 also unfortunately had a, a similar kind of difficult initial outing um he uh pitched in 3.2 innings allowed <laughs> seven hits three walks five runs uh and zero strikeouts. Uh, his ERA that game was 12.27, um, which another similarly high number. Um, and actually, unfortunately, by the middle of June in 2010, um, he was sent down to AA. Um, he, uh, he would have been sent to AAA, but I believe he had a, a better relationship with one of the coaches at AA, so it was deemed kind of better for his development to go down there. Um, and actually, he later came back up in 2010 when Strasburg was injured. So he, he took over Strasburg's spot and that was not the last time he would do that. <laughs> he did the same in 2012. Um, when he failed to earn a spot in the rotation, um, he was called up in July and then called up again in September to yet again, replace Strasburg who was injured. Um, and that was his, uh, last year with the Nats.
1: Yep. He, um, he had a pretty up and down career, um, yeah. with the Nats and yeah, I like John Lannan. Um, but like you said, he had, he had some flashes of brilliance and then some really, really rough, really, really rough outings, (laughs) especially those opening day outings.
2: Right. Which I think is reflected his final ERA over six years with the Nats was 4.01 over 134 games, all of which he started. So I feel like that's a pretty, that's a, a, that, that number kind of encapsulates the kind of up and down that he went through.
1: Yeah, it's true. And, and if you look at that number, it doesn't look that bad. But then if you look at those opening day numbers, those were among the right. worst. <laughs> right. No, for sure. Well, that brings us, you, you mentioned Strasburg a couple of times. That brings us up to the Strasburg era. Um, Stras, obviously, uh, needs no introduction to anybody listening to this podcast. Um, he started for the Nats in 2012, 2013, 2014. And then in 2015 and 16, Scherzer started. And then back again in 2017, it was Strass. So um, he's made quite a lot of opening day starts and a lot of other starts <laughs> for this team. Um, like I said, I'm sure he doesn't really need an introduction, but we'll go over a little bit anyway. Um, he made his major league debut in 2010 after being selected by the Nationals with the first overall pick in the 20, 2009 draft. Um, and just a few months into his major league career, he you know needed the Tommy John surgery. And uh, I remember that very clearly. It was devastating because it was so exciting to have Strauss. Uh, You know, he was so hyped up as a prospect and um, his debut was so electric and it was just devastating um, to have to see him have that, you know, have that kind of an injury. Although we've gotten accustomed to Steven Strasburg injuries by this point. So they devastate me less (laughs) than they used to, unfortunately. Um, Okay. So his debut, I just mentioned. Um, I don't know. Were you watching the Nats at that point? I was not. I, I how old was I? I, I was 2010. I was
2: so <laughs> yeah. I don't I even don't young.
1: even say it. Don't even say it.
2: <laughs> I have since watched it many a time. However, and yeah, it's what it unbelievable.
1: Do. I remember the incredible hype around it. And, you know, it was straw and like the, 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 national media were talking about it. And he, oh, he made man. his major league debut on in June 8th of 2010. Um, everybody who's a Nats fan remembers it, um, 14 strikeouts, which was incredible for a rookie making his debut. Um, it was, I, I can still hear the call from Charlie and Dave in my head. You know what I mean? The it, it's, oh, and of course the, the, uh, the TV call is awesome as well, but I like the radio calls the best. They're always my favorite. When I go back and listen to things later, I always like to listen to the radio calls. Maybe I'm agreed. weird. I don't know. No,
2: nope, You're not agreed.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so in that 2010 season, he he pitched in, in 12 games and through 68 innings with 92 strikeouts over 68 innings, um, with a two nine one ERA. And, uh, he was just amazing. And then, um, he was, he went on the DL uh, now IL, um, in July and then we came back. And then in August, he went, he went out and they announced the the need for the Tommy John surgery. And of course, that meant he was out for a good long time. And um, you know, that is the genesis of the still controversial shutdown in 2012, the season he came back from the Tommy John. Um the Nats were, the Nats were good. The Nats were good, and we'll never know what might have been had uh he pitched in that postseason but, um, he was put on the physically unable to perform list at the end of that year after having an absolutely fantastic year. Um, it was, I remember people like politicians were talking about whether they should shut up. I mean, it was crazy how much yes. of a story it was about that. And still even today, you can, you want to start an argument in Washington, DC, bring up Strasbourg being shut down in 2012. Yeah. So, um, he finished the season 15 and six with a 316 ERA, a 1.15 whip and 197 strikeouts. Um, He And he hit 277, by the way, that year also, which got him the silver slugger. So, I mean, it was a really, really amazing year. And seeing him shut down was heartbreaking. And it was even worse when they lost in game five of the NLDS. And, you know, you can't blame that on the starting pitching necessarily. But, you know, like I said, what might have been, we'll never know. Um, 2013, he again pitched opening day. Um, That was a really good outing, seven innings, no runs, three hits, and only three strikeouts. But, you know, I'll take seven innings of no run ball from my starter any day. Um, He finished 2013 with a 3.0 ERA, a 1.05 whip. um, So, another really good season. In 2014, he actually finished in the top 10 on the Cy Young Award balloting. Um, That one was 34 starts, which Looking back now on Strauss's career, you know, to see him make 34 starts, like can you imagine?
2: No, I absolutely cannot imagine <laughs> I wish
1: we could see that. And he pitched 215 innings in 2014 with 242 strikeouts. It was it was really a great season. And it, it makes me nostalgic now. Um 2016. Oh, wait, let me talk about 2015. I skipped one. Um 2015, 127 and a third innings that year, um, which was much, much lower than the year before. Um a 3.46 ERA. So still really good, but, um, definitely not his best. And then he signed his first big extension, um, for uh, seven years, which gave him those opt-outs in 2019 and 20, which will, which we all know he opted out after the world series in 2019. And they gave him his $245 million contract, which right now doesn't look like a great financial investment, unfortunately. So, um, you know, we can go through, you could talk about Strauss for hours, He's amazing. I do just want to touch real quickly on his World Series MVP because you can't have any conversation about Strasburg without talking about that. Um, he, in 2019, was 18-6 and six with a 3-3-2 ERA, um, led the National League in wins that year with his 18, um, was second in strikeouts with 251, second only to Jacob deGrom. So um, it was it was fantastic. And I remember the wildcard game really, really well. Um, he came in and pitched in relief of Max to get the win. And that game was, I was at that game and it was, it was like a tomb in there before that Juan Soto hit in the eighth inning. But Strauss was fantastic when he came on. And of course we know relief pitching is not his thing. Um, Obviously he had an unbelievably dominant postseason that year, um, you know, earning the NL, I mean, earning the uh, world series MVP. Um, Like I said, he does it. We all know this. We all know this, but um, 2020 and 2021 were, Not good. He's barely pitched since that World Series MVP, um, a number of injuries this year. He was in spring training. Everybody got really excited, looking like he was going to start. And then they said, oh, we only had three weeks of spring training. So we'd like to do our regular six week ramp up. And here we are saying he might not pitch. He may or may not be back by May 1st, which doesn't really sound to me like I need a few extra weeks to ramp up. It sounds like there's more going on. Um, yeah, it unfortunately does not
2: and confidence. And you, know, you say all not. these things and I'm just, I'm getting, uh, I miss him so much. I know it
1: <laughs> really makes me sad. I love Strasburg. I mean, just love him. He's, and you know, nobody's more frustrated with his injury situation than he is. But I mean, if you look through the, if you look through his career, it's the, it's the quintessential story of a guy who just can't stay healthy. Yeah. And at this and it's point, it is such a shame because when he's healthy, he's one of the very best pitchers in baseball and he just can't stay healthy. And I have no idea what we're going to see from him when he pitches again. Like, I don't even know. Is he still Steven Strasburg? I have no idea.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I was, I was actually thinking about that, um, yesterday and thinking about like, I, I don't know. I had this moment where I was thinking just about like, Whenever his return date is potentially announced, like all the marketing around that, and how what a big deal it's going to be, but how nervous I'm going to be going, like watching yeah. it either on TV or in the stadium, just because you know you hear all these statistics that you're that you're saying, and they're incredible, and he's truly and the expectations crazy. are so high,
1: yep. and mm-hmm. and you don't know if he can ever be that guy. I mean, John Patterson we just talked about was a guy who never got right, and the surgery that Strauss just had, the thoracic outlet syndrome surgery, is not one that. Is easy to come back from, and a lot of guys yeah. don't come back from it.
2: So I mean, Will Harris too. I mean, that's they're, yeah. they're in the same boat, and Will Harris is now having some additional difficulties. So, you know, we will see. I mean, my fingers are are crossed. I really do hope though that it's that he he comes back in May or at the very latest June, um, because I, I just miss him. Even if even if he isn't exactly who he was before, I, I miss seeing him.
1: Yeah, agreed with you on that. So brings us to
2: our our now former
1: national Max Scherzer, which (laughs) makes me
2: sad. And to be honest, like, there's not much to say about Max Scherzer that hasn't already been said. There has been more than enough ink spilled and 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 people speaking about what it, not only what an incredible pitcher he is, but what an incredible pitcher he was for the Nats specifically. Um, he actually, out of everyone on this list, has made the most opening day starts for the Nats and almost in a very funny, uh, weird turn of events, almost made the opening day start still at Nats Park this year, <laughs> which... <laughs> so glad that didn't hard.
1: happen actually
2: it would have been kind of funny if it hadn't worked out so i'm what not gonna a, lie it
1: felt like a bridge <laughs> too far for me like my heart is already <laughs> broken come on mercy please
2: Fair, fair, super fair. <laughs> so Scherzer um, was drafted by the Diamondbacks out of uh, the University of Missouri. Obviously, this is all kind of old news to all of us, but we'll still go through it again a little bit, like we did with Strauss. Um He was drafted by the Diamondbacks there, and actually, I do recall like he was not like he was obviously a, a, a someone to watch, a big deal, but definitely not as big as the Strasbergs or the other kind of like immediate. Uh, first picks, um, which, you know, he has since, uh, I think, taken that to heart and become potentially one of the best pitchers possible, Um, (laughs) which is very funny. Um, He was with the Diamondbacks for a long while, um, was eventually traded to the Tigers, um, and the Tigers is truly where he came into his own, as we all know, um, got his first Cy Young in 2013, um, you know, continued to just rack up strikeouts throughout his time with the Tigers, and then eventually signed what I consider to be possibly the the best deal in Nats team history. Maybe Um, one of the best
1: contracts ever in baseball history. Consider what you got out of that guy.
2: Yeah, I actually, yeah, I'll I'll amend my statement to potentially (laughs) one of the best contracts in baseball. Um, In, you know, January 2015, he uh, signed with the Nats um, with seven years, $210 million, um, which uh, would have been accounting for inflation about $230 million today, um, and included also a huge deferred signing bonus. Um, And he, you know, has he, you know, gave us multiple no-hitters. He got another Cy Young while he was here. Two Uh, two Cy Youngs, excuse me. He got two (laughs) Cy Youngs while we were here. 300 strikeouts, you know, won the freaking World Series. You know, he he did it all with us. The 20 Um, strikeout game, the no-hitters, the almost perfect game. Yeah. He, yeah. he did it all with us. Um, and, and, you know, even saying this out loud makes me feel a lot better about him going into the hall as a Nat, to be honest. Uh, cause every, every other day I have a, a slight crisis of confidence about it. If he doesn't, <laughs> if he doesn't, we riot. I'm just saying. We do, we do. <laughs> um, but he made six opening day starts, uh, for the Nats. Um, he made starts in 2015, 2016, 2018, 2019, 2020, and 2021, Um, and this year was the first time since 2011 that someone not named Strasburg or Scherzer made the opening day start. Um, In 2015, uh, he lost. Unfortunately, we lost uh, 1-3 to to the Mets at Nats Park, Um, but he had a pretty uh, excellent, really, line. Um, 7.2 innings pitched, 4 hits, 3 runs, 0 of which were earned, 2 walks, 8 strikeouts for uh, an ERA of 0 um in 2016 I <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> in 2016, it was a no decision, but he, you know, that we we won. Um, we won four to three to the Braves at Turner Field. Um, he pitched seven innings, and you know, as we kind of reiterated earlier on in this podcast, wild to see numbers like seven innings pitched. Um, considering what we've been seeing recently of people not getting oh, starters pitched.
1: only <laughs> go four now. You didn't know.
2: That's, uh... <laughs> That's the new rule for the Nats. Yeah, I, I got that. <laughs> um, but in 2016. Three hits, two runs, both earned, two walks, seven strikeouts, two home runs for a 2.57 ERA. Um, in 2018, I actually think this was probably one of his best, best opening day starts. Six innings pitch, so a little bit of a less a lower workload. Um, five hits, zero runs, one walk, 10 strikeouts for an ERA of nothing. Um, and we won two nothing against the Reds. Um, 2019 we lost a zero, nothing to the Mets again, um, 7.2 innings pitched two hits, two runs, three walks, 12 strikeouts, one home run for a 2.35 ERA. Twelve strikeouts is just fabulous. I just stare at that number and it's just incredible. I miss it, um, mm-hmm. and uh, unfortunately, in 2020, we lost uh, one to four to the Yankees um, with an attendance of zero because it was a game in August. That was the COVID um, year.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was one of the old, like the six inning games. Um, he pitched nearly the full game. 5.1 innings, um, uh, and six hits, four runs, four walks, 11 strikeouts, one home run. So a 6.75 ERA, pretty high, but the 11 strikeouts is still pretty solid. And then last year, of course, he we got the we, he got a no decision, but we won 6-5 against the Braves. He pitched for six innings, five hits, zero walks, nine strikeouts, four home runs for a six ERA. So he, I, I would, I would characterize his starts as being uh, potentially the best. Um, of course, he's got kind of a larger pool to work with. Um, so, I mean, that's, there's a little bit of bias there, but uh, man, I definitely miss watching him start. Yeah. And it's very sad that he was not our opening day starter this year. Yes.
1: Yes, me too. Okay. Well, that brings us to this year and our opening day starter this year was Patrick Corbin. Um, we did not win. It's a recent enough history. I'm sure you all know that. <laughs> um, yeah. So Corbin, um, also, uh, drafted by the diamondbacks, um, in 2013, 23- he was an all-star in 2013 after being drafted in 2012. So the start of his career was quite strong. Um, he played with the diamondbacks. Uh, well he ended up, um, with the angels and then with the diamondbacks and then eventually with the Nats. it was a huge signing at the time. Um, it was one of those, Hey, we're really going all in this year, you know, at the beginning of the 2019. 29- you know, when we knew for 2019, like they were serious about, really trying to do something which um, looked terrible at the beginning of the season, because our bullpen was historically bad. Um, That of course had nothing to do with Corbin, but you know, we all know the, we all know the, the story of 2019 and um, where we were in May before going on to win the whole thing. Um, He signed that deal in December of 2018, six-year deal. Um, Everybody thought he was going to go to the Yankees because that's um, his home, you know, his childhood favorite team, but they apparently only wanted to give him five years and the Nats were willing to do six. So um probably wish they hadn't now
2: they're better or worse than yeah probably <laughs> wish now that maybe that
1: sixth year was another contract but that's water under the bridge um in 2019 um he went 14 and 7 with a 325 era in 33 starts um with 238 strikeouts in 202 innings so just a terrific year um he was the winning pitcher in game seven of the world series which is pretty awesome um And that was the high watermark because 2020 did not go well for him. Um, his ERA was only four, six, six, but, um, he led the national league in hits allowed and had the highest width of all the national league, um, qualified pitchers. So those aren't the kind of stats you really want to be leading in. Um, 2021 was worse. He, so last year, um, it was in ERA was 5.82, which was the worst among all qualified pitchers in baseball. He led the national league in home runs allowed with 37 and all of the majors and losses with 16 um, earned runs allowed. He was the leader in with 111 and his OPS against was 8.55. Um, also gave up the most home runs per nine innings pitched at 1.94. So it was absolutely awful. Like just, there's no sugarcoating it. It was a terrible year for him. We're all hoping for him to bounce back. Um, I guess it remains to be seen. He's only made one start. So far. And, um, it did, he did look better for four innings and then the wheels came off in the fifth, but that was kind of the story of last year too, where he would look okay and then just absolutely fall apart. So, um, but that was all of our starting pitchers so far this weekend (laughs) was four innings and then the wheels came off on the fifth. So hopefully today will be different Um, today being Sunday when we're recording with the last game of the series. So, um, yeah, that is our seventh and final starting pitcher for opening days in NATS history. So, um, now we're going to do our rankings and put them in order from worst. We'll start with worst and go to best. I have a feeling our top couple are probably going to be pretty similar, but
2: <laughs> yeah, um, I, I wonder if it, I, yeah, I, like I mentioned, or like Amanda mentioned before, excuse me, I ranked specifically based on opening day performance, uh, whereas Amanda ranked more on career and time with the Nats. Um, so our rankings are definitely going to be a little bit different when it comes to, to the metrics that we used.
1: Yes, I think so. Okay. So go ahead, get started. Who's your number seven?
2: Yes. So based on opening day performance, my number seven is unfortunately Patterson. I really like him and I, I like, I, I, I feel for him, um, as someone who was injury ridden. Um, I thought that would just, it's, it's sad what ended up happening, but that opening day start and that final line was not great. And unfortunately there wasn't really much else afterwards. Um, so he's got my number seven spot.
1: Yeah, actually that's my number seven spot as well. Um, again, he seems like He seemed like he had incredible promise, um, as a young player, but it just didn't ever come to fruition. And, um, while he did have a few really good moments with the Nats overall, um, what he did with the Nats gets him my number seven spot as well. Yep. All right. Number six,
2: number six. So again, based on opening day, I would put John Lennon. And I think it just uh, based on uh, the his uh, opening day starts they were not great. Um, Both were effectively kind of blowout losses. Um, You know, he in two thousand nine we lost six twelve. In two thousand ten we lost one eleven. He didn't really. He he didn't even reach the fourth inning in either start. Um, so they were not great. They were definitely, uh, on his kind of downtrend instead of the the high watermarks of his career. So he's got my number six spot.
1: All right. My number six spot goes to Dallas Perez. Um, while his opening day start wasn't so bad, um, his time with the Nats was so, um, he just, you know, didn't really make any impact here. And obviously it wasn't like he was a homegrown guy or somebody who, you know, was important to the franchise, but, um, he was kind of a blip on the radar and didn't, really do anything of note while he was here
2: so he gets my number six spot fair all right number five Number five. Um, I put Patrick Corbin at number five. I think um I think it's still gonna, you know, even if you kind of look away from opening day for a second, I think it's still gonna take some time to figure out like where he ranks just in general. Um, you know, he's not a super young guy, but at the same time, I think he if he can get his stuff together, I think he's still got uh, you know, some more chapters of his story to be written. Maybe he really bounces back in a major way and becomes an excellent pitcher, changes some stuff up, maybe. He absolutely does not and remains 2021 Patrick Corbin. Um, But um, I think it's too early to really tell. Um, And then on the other hand as well, his opening day start like was fine. Like it was fine. It was not, it was uh, not unique or not. It didn't stand out in either a good way or a bad way uh, for our current rotation, as well as for just like in this longer line of opening day starters. So he's got my number five.
1: All right, um my number 5 is going to be John Lennon. Um he did do some really good things with the Nats. He had some complete games, you know, he he had some years where he had great ERA. His um, you know, his opening day start starts not so good, but um like I said I'm looking more at his entire tenure with the Nats and uh I I really struggled actually between him and my next one about who to put here. But um, when we go to the next spot, I'll explain why I chose Lannon for, for the number five spot. And uh, no, he did some really good things with this team. He just, he just, I don't know. He's another one. I felt like didn't really live up to what at the, at his best, what we expected he could be, I guess is the way to describe it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Number four. Four. So my number four is a Dallas Um, I think again, based on his opening day start. Um, this is all based on his opening day start. Um, he had in, in his opening day start, uh, it was in 2008, five innings pitched four hits, one run, uh, earned one walk, two strikeouts and one home run. So he had an ERA ultimately of 1.8. Um, and I think just the fact that like it, that, that's a number and a, a game kind of line right now that seems inconceivable, uh, with the current club, right. And so <laughs> like to, to go, not only be beyond the four innings. um, but to have an ERA of under two in a single game feels pretty unique. Um, so that's why he's got uh, a higher up slot at this point. Um, again, I, I understand he had a lot of other issues outside of that. Um, so I think if it were a kind of fuller career or Nats retrospective, he'd be lower down, but at least based on opening day start, he gets a little bit higher up. That makes sense.
1: Okay. My next one is Corbin and, um, And know this seems kind of maybe sort of low given the, um, you know, what he did for the team in 2019. And I am basing this more on his tenure with the Nats, but also it was one year and his two years since have been awful. Um, So while, you know, you cannot take away from him what he accomplished and helping to bring this team a world series. um, I think that there, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put him a little bit lower on the list than I think I otherwise would, because maybe it's recency bias, but, um, looking career as a whole, you can't just take one. There are a lot of players in baseball who have had one terrific year, one MVP year, or one, you know, one year where they did something amazing. And then when you look back on their career, does one great year make you a hall of famer? Or does one great year make you, you know, somebody who was, you know, standing head and shoulders above your peers. I don't know that it does, at least for me, I, I kind of like to look at somebody who's got the longevity and can, can put it together over a career because, if you if you can't consistently bring that for your team, then and you never know what you're going to get. Do you know what I mean? Where there are some players that you just don't know who's going to show up that day. And I kind of yeah. feel like that with Corbin at this point. So constantly,
2: he's a little bit <laughs> yeah,
1: he's a little bit lower on my list than I, I originally thought he would be, but he's my number four.
2: I think that makes sense, and I think you know, check back in in another year or two, and we'll. I feel like right. we'll be Yeah, to that story has a not been the,
1: the end of the story has not been
2: written. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. Alrighty. Number three. Yeah. Number three. So my number three is Levon Hernandez. Um, I think his opening day, first of all, I think there is, uh, something to be proud of. And just the fact that he's made as many starts as he has, I mean, to be the, the number three, uh, kind of person behind Scherzer and Strasburg, just in general, uh, in terms of number of starts mm-hmm. made, I think that's pretty impressive. Um, and I think also, it's kind of cool that he came back after a little bit of time and was still able to start. I think there's something uh, there, uh, there's something I'm consistently impressed by. Like yeah, we were longevity. just talking about
1: that, that longevity.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. longevity, tenacity. Like I, I really, I, I I get frustrated at Rizzo for getting so many veterans back on the team, but at the same time, there's something really admirable about the kind of tenacity of of the people in in doing that. So really like that. Um, and then his opening day lines were pretty decent. I mean, so his 2000, uh, his initial one, um, I think that was, I want to say, I'm trying to remember the year exactly. Um, 2005 was not super great. Um, you know, he did about 4.2 innings, um, ultimately had an ERA of 13.5, which like is not great, obviously, um, but I think his other ones uh, were not terrible, which um, just pulling it up. Yeah. The next one, six innings pitched, eight hits, three runs, uh, all earned one walk and four strikeouts for a 4.5 ERA, um, which is not, not, not terrible. bad. Exactly. And then in 2011, um, he ended up doing uh, 6.1 innings pitched, which to me is super impressive again for four hits, two runs, both earned zero walks, which, you know, I cannot even conceive of that these days, uh, three strikeouts and one home run for an ERA of 2.84. So to me, to be able to like, not only have that kind of stat when you're younger, but to come back and then, you know, put together a similarly good line. That's pretty impressive.
1: I agree. I agree. He's also my number three. Um, You know, we talked about him kind of in depth earlier, but um, he really just over his career was so impressive, including with the Nats. I, we just talked about how Corbin has this very high ceiling, but can't sustain it. I love a player that can sustain, even if the ceiling's a little lower, but can give you, you know, can give you innings and, you know, strikeouts and, uh, you know, good starts over years and years with, you know, getting 25 to 30 starts in almost every year. Yeah. I, I like Lamont Hernandez and, uh, I, I think I struggled with this one a little bit too between Corbin and Hernandez, but Hernandez is definitely my number three. Okay. And we probably go a little quicker. Cause I bet we have the same one and two.
2: <laughs> I think so. I think so. <laughs> yeah.
1: I've got Strauss and then max number one. What do you got? That's
2: that is what I've got Strauss and then max. Yeah. And I, I think don't think the they ones... need much. Uh, I don't think there's no. need much explanation. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. yeah, I mean, Strauss is Strauss is um so important to the franchise he's such an amazing pitcher um hopefully we haven't seen the last of Strauss as we know him but um and max we have unfortunately seen the last of max as we know him at least in a nationals
2: uniform yeah um, i was just gonna say be against us a few more times right
1: exactly <laughs> we haven't seen the last of him but we've seen the last of him here so that's great this was fun we did have our list we're a little bit different Um, so I hope you guys enjoyed it. Like I said, this is kind of a, you know, we call it a retrospective because, um, you know, you don't always take time to think back through, you know, the team's past and it's always fun on opening day weekend, at least for me to kind of think about the history of the team and, and to just reflect on how happy I am that we have baseball in Washington, DC again. Yep. Yeah. And uh, yeah, exactly. You know, just, that's the thing. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. Even though, and what Ryan always says, um, is expectation free baseball, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yep,
2: that's what I was going to say. We love expectation for baseball.
1: Exactly. So um, we've done our rankings. I hope you guys listening will give us yours. Um, there is, and we have a new Twitter account for the show. It's at pod pitch perfect. And um, we'll tweet out our rankings and hopefully you guys can respond and give us yours. Um, we'd like to see who agrees and disagrees. And it will be fun for Nick to tell us why we're both wrong that'll be (laughs) so thank you all so much for listening to our first episode really hope you enjoyed it and we're looking forward to many more um this first one's going to be free for everyone and then starting next week our new episodes will be exclusive for our patreon members um you can find the patreon by visiting patreon.com slash half street high heat it's half st high heat um, you can also follow the main Half Street High Heat account on Twitter at halfs st high Heat and the Pitch Perfect account at atpodpitchperfect. And make sure you follow our individual accounts as well. Mine is at awhite7877 and Allison's is at juansotohr. And finally, don't forget to check out the website, um, halfstreethighheat.com, where you'll find tons of great content from our outstanding team of writers, which includes Allison and also the YouTube channel um, where Trey is absolutely killing it. If you're not watching the YouTube uh, videos, you are doing yourself a disservice. So make sure you get over there and check them out. And thanks again so much. And we will see you back here next week for another all new episode of Pitch Perfect.
0: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need.